Thanks for joining Impact Boom. On this episode... We are young. We've only been around about 18 months or so. Our purpose is to create data solutions for an inclusive workforce. And by inclusive, we're talking about the fact that more than one in 70 of our young Aussies are neurodiverse, but more than 55% of those are unemployed. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 283 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today we're speaking with Jeffrey Smith. Jeffrey Smith is a social entrepreneur committed to reducing unemployment for young adults from disadvantaged backgrounds. As a young executive at a disability employment provider, Jeff was astonished by the sector's hardened attitude towards supporting vulnerable people into work. After supporting an affiliated social enterprise coffee shop, Jeff decided to go all in, studying social enterprise in his master's degree and putting his hand up to run Australian Spatial Analytics, a social enterprise employing young neurodiverse adults in Brisbane, Australia. As a data analyst by trade, Jeff puts into action the idea that technology can create work and wealth for disadvantaged communities. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Jeff's insights into starting a social enterprise in Australia, and we'll learn about his journey with ASA and plans into the future. Jeff, it's a pleasure to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Tom. It's an honor. I'm a big fan. So let's get straight into the deep. I'd love to learn a bit more about your background, Jeff, and what was it that led to your interest in work in social enterprise? I grew up in a small town in regional Queensland, about a thousand people. I was aware at a young age that most of the people in the town were worse off than our family. My parents owned the only supermarket in in town and, and my father was the local dentist there. All my mates, we were really happy. It was a great childhood, but I would say that I was aware at a very young age that I was quite privileged um, mm. in the community. I was a kid, so I didn't do anything about it. I, I did what my parents told me. I went to a prodigious boarding school, did well in sports and I went to a great uni, a really good graduate program. I came around after that and I became a well-paid analyst at an oil and gas giant. I, I, I was aware that things were easy for me and not due to my hard work mostly due to how society gives an opportunity for people like me um, mm. because I come from the middle class. So what does a millennial do in that situation? They, they quit. And uh, I went and travelled abroad and taught English and went through South Asia. And kind of when I came back, I, I fudged my way uh, into an executive position at a non-profit disability provider. I had the analytical skills from previous work and yeah. some strategy know-how, which they really needed. In, in the new disability sector landscape. There's been real reform in the sector of disability employment and some good, some not so good, some a bit too neoliberal for my liking, commoditizing disability recruitment. What happened next was I really enjoyed it but felt that there had to be 
an alternative to the run-of-the-mill disability employment sector. So what I did is start studying and really got into this thing called social enterprise on paper. I remember learning a lot about street in yep. Melbourne Thanks, during Scott. the course. Yep, and Green Collect. And so I wrote a thesis on social enterprise as a vehicle for disability employment. And as you say, started on. It was that light bulb moment where I thought, I've got a business management undergrad, have analytical experience, and now I'm an executive at a registered charity. Yeah. Things are culminating towards the gestalt of my experience with social enterprise. I felt I was primed for entrepreneurship at that point. Reached out to the closest social entrepreneur I could find. His name was Luke Terry in Brisbane. And then a month later, I started running a disability social enterprise called... Australian Spatial Analytics. Which is a fantastic story, Jeff, and it's just great to have you in the sector and bringing your skill set and knowledge from the background you have. So you mentioned Australian Spatial Analytics. You're the CEO there. Tell us a bit more about the organisation's purpose and the key challenges that you faced in getting it off the ground, because it's still quite a young social enterprise, but creating some great outcomes. We are young. We've only been around about 18 months or so. Our purpose is to create data solutions for an inclusive workforce. By inclusive, we're talking about the fact that more than one in 70 of our young Aussies are neurodiverse, but more than 55% of those are unemployed. 55% is an insane figure, but not just because of that scale. It's because to me, through my past experience and helping start this thing, it makes like zero sense. What I mean is we're in a digital epoch Young neurodiverse adults are generally pretty good with technology, yet 55% of them are sitting at home. There's a tension, I feel, with Australian Spatial Analytics. We're a strengths-based social enterprise where neurodiversity is our competitive advantage, but we really shouldn't need to exist. Neurodiversity should really be a prerequisite Mm. for the digital world and a positive organisational culture, not a productive workforce. It's not yet. We're not there yet. Every day we support our legendary team to to create geospatial products and services. We work for government departments, software firms, infrastructure consultancies, and telecommunication designers. We now employ 27 people, which is great. 20 in neurodiverse, 15 were long-term unemployed. 21 of us are under 30. I say us, I'm not, I don't know. And nine of those are in their first job. and, And we're very thrilled that three have now transitioned to other employment. Yeah, absolutely. There's some really strong outcomes there, particularly given it's only 18 months old. So, Jeff, with the excellent news that the Social Enterprise World Forum is being held in Brisbane in 2022, what most excites you about the World Forum and where do you see Australian spatial analytics will be by September of next year? That is an enormous question. There's a couple big things with SEWF coming here to Brisbane or or to Australia in general. First thing, when we talk about my backstory, it's the access for young people wanting to crack this sector. Yeah. I got just extremely lucky. I found a social entrepreneur who wanted to sit, listen and help. That's really rare. There's no grad program for social entrepreneurs. They are getting there. It's not like going to a massive corporation where you need your idea before approaching, which is fantastic for for, for the few people who have that honed. But if you could just go, look, I want to work in the sector, but I don't know how yet. This kind of thing can really be a light on the hill for the sector and really find those new young leaders who may not know yet that they want to work in social impact, but we'll see the profile of the World Forum and go, yep, I'm going to do this. I'm going to find the right people. The other thing is it is the light on the hill for the sector for the reason that there's so much happening in Australia. But for me, as we say, we're a young organisation. I'm 
head down working on the business for better or for worse. This kind of gives me and everyone the chance to look up to the horizon and connect with others moving in that same direction. That sounds a bit like scripture. Thou shall not network for greater social good. But it is certainly true that we get to look up to the horizon and see what's going on. The fact that the Australian landscape is burgeoning. Everyone's so busy and working so hard. It's going to be just an incredible event for that reason alone. For us as Australian Spatial Analytics, September, October 2022, we'll hope to have doubled our impacts and employ 50 young people um, with disabilities. We'll be in more than one office, which is great. We'll spread our reach to the regions and either an office outright or through a collaboration hub with other social enterprises. Mm. Something else that really excites me is we're going to venture into product development, which means our team will not only be awesome data analysts, but they'll be supported to learn software engineering, project management methodology, and all those awesome other tech skills that come with building a product rather than being a service provider. That's really exciting uh, what the future holds there, Jeff, for ASA. Now, you did mention almost this lack of grad-type program and it might be hard for, for some people to crack the, the social enterprise sector if they're keen to get in but don't really quite know where to start. But pulling in this back to the specific sort of social entrepreneurs themselves, what do you see as the most important traits of a successful social entrepreneur? And most importantly, where can support be found for those change makers who are really aspiring to start something themselves? I can frame this with where I've made my mistakes. I, I really encourage for those who are interested in this to be wary of the quick win. I hate that idiom, quick win. If it's quick, it's probably going to be crap, but really foster the long term with relationships, whether it be how we monitor our impact, how we have relationships with our clients, how we really foster the long term with our people and pathways and and supporting people with career development. If something looks really quick and easy as far as may bring money in or or there may be an opportunity, sit back and go, I'm happy to take a risk, but it needs to be a moral risk. This may not work, but is it moral in the fact that it will still support the cohort I'm trying to support? I think of an example where we took risks on bringing people too early in before money started coming through the door, but we were employing team members who had never had a job before, training them and giving them great skill sets. That's a moral risk. Things may not pan out, as in we may not get that contract that we're training them up for, but they're learning about great software in a supported environment, that's a good thing. But take that moral risk, be wary of the quick wing. And maybe the third thing is just understand that not everyone's going to be as into your purpose as you are and frame that as an opportunity. It gives you the opportunity to explain things to people who potentially might be a little bit wary of what you're trying to do and then they can help you with that constructive criticism. They're probably the three things. Be wary of the quick wing. What else do I say? Take that moral risk and understand that everyone is not going to be into the same purpose in the exact same way as you are and just embrace that and, and try and be as collaborative as possible. I've been so supported. We're talking you know, from the peak bodies around here that do an awesome job in the sector, intermediary social traders and research institutions like the Unicenter. They are just wonderful yeah. and, and will only get Um, better with more funding as far as personal support there's two things that have helped me first is finding a champion in the community that you're trying to support one of my mentors is a director at disability employment australia and i'd just be lost without it to be frank we also have a great relationship with autism queensland you really need to talk to people who have chops in the community rather than 
pose a solution by yourself. The other one is find a champion of someone who's, who's done well in business because the model needs to be tight, whether it's social or not. If you can find someone who's successful, they can potentially help you with those boring strategic and uh, business model questions. There's some fantastic advice there and really good points coming through. Obviously learnt throughout the, the process that you've been through in your career. As you now work to really scale Australian Spatial Analytics, is there any specific advice when it comes to that scaling of the business model part that you just wanted to add on from the previous comments? When it comes to the model itself, I only have experience with strengths-based value propositions. When it comes to the model of how you have comparative advantage, focus on the strengths of the team and of what you're trying to support. That does well for everyone's confidence and self-esteem and has the flow on effects of just a thriving workforce. Yeah. Also, it gives you that opportunity when you are talking to potential clients or potential funders that, hey, we're not putting a square peg in a round hole here. This fits really well. When it comes to the model, support that strengths-based approach. And then other things like employing young people as support workers or, or people who are just really keen to be involved. Young people bring such enthusiasm, different skills and too uh, disenchanted with how things have gone with their previous work or anything like that. I think having young people around those that you want to support it certainly makes my job a lot easier and, and you've got to keep the vibe up somehow. And there's the other stuff is part of the sector that is just wonderful. We have an advisory committee of people who just want to volunteer their time, who come from all different walks of life and are unbelievable. I remember when the board said, Jeff, you need an advisory committee. I said, who the hell would want to help? Like mm -hmm. we're unknown. It's a great idea, but it, an hour at a time a month, that's insane. Yeah. Now we've got nine welcoming a tenth at the next meeting and wow. they're just unbelievable. Yeah. I, I really do think when you're trying to scale things, you need people outside of the sector who can help and, mm. and an advisory community is a good way to do that. Yeah, yeah. It's a great approach there and thanks for highlighting that, Jeff. A great point. So let's talk a little bit more about some of the other inspiring projects or initiatives that you've come across recently that you believe are creating some really great positive social change? Because you mentioned Street before, you mentioned Green Collect, two great enterprises. What else? There's two that come to mind because I literally talked to them yesterday. There's one called Geonadir, G-E-O-N-A-D-I-R. They're a mob out of Cairns run by Dr. Karen Joyce and Paul Mee. What they're doing is crowdsourcing drone data to protect at-risk ecosystems. They're doing some really awesome citizen science stuff and, mm. and they come from She Maps, which offers STEM education programs for teachers. Really highly recommend checking out Geona Deer, uh, that kind of uh, very cool approach to using technology to help at-risk ecosystems. I really wish them well. They're going to do really great. The other one is the other end of the spectrum, the Atlassian Foundation, huge yeah. Giant. They have an Engage for Good program and we are a month into our engagement with them on that. It's a skilled volunteering program and they're helping us build an online technical training portal. Training is just difficult at the best of times, yeah. but when there's so many different projects going on for us, we need it all in one place. So just having these skilled volunteers who want to be there, it's a 12 week mm. program. I, I highly recommend people looking for those skilled volunteering programs because running volunteers. I found quite difficult myself. Yes. It has been unbelievable. That Engage for Good program by Atlassian and, and Geonadir, I, I really reckon check those out. A couple of great initiatives there. So we'll add links through to them in the article there, Jeff. So they can pay me later. <laughs> Absolutely. 
to finish off then, what books would you be recommending to our listeners? I'm reading at the moment, so I haven't, full disclosure, I haven't finished this one um, halfway through, but there's one called Late Bloomer, How an Autism Diagnosis Changed My Life. It's by Clem Basto. She's a writer and a journalist. She was a late diagnosis for autism when she was in her mid-30s when she was diagnosed. It's super valuable if you want to test your misconceptions about developmental disabilities in general or or autism specifically. Really highly recommend it. It's very funny, sad and great. If you don't know much about autism, go to Clem. Uh, She's an incredible advocate and it's a really cool new book. I love it. I just finished reading previous to that a book called Status Anxiety by the philosopher Alan de Baton, he, he looks at the origin of why some jobs and activities have higher status today than others. Mm. And it's, it's really interesting. It talks a lot about meritocracy, the notion that why the rich are the useful, worthy ones. It talks about dependence and all that kind of stuff. If you're keen to learn about why society is the way it is and why we need social impact, uh, that kind of angle on status I find thoroughly enjoyable. They're definitely the last two I read, so (laughs) I'll leave it with those. You're doing well to fit in books whilst working so hard with Asa, Jeff. So a couple of great books there. We really thank you for your time today and sharing your your really generous insights and, and time. And it'll be great to track your journey as you power forward. Thanks again, Jeff. Always great to talk to you. Thanks a lot, mate. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.